year. It's the Bodega Boy nonstop, Jared Diaz, and you are listening to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast. Since now enter your ring, and I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. You can call me your Sherpa. You should call me your Sherpa after all the episodes I've asked you to do it to me. Do it for me. It's about time you do it. But anyway, it's never about me because, like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me. It's about Who's entering the ring today? Today, you can find this man out wrestling open in Worcester, Massachusetts, because that's, you know, the loves. I got to have your loves. PWK, PAPW, XWA, RPW, Ignite, ACW, ECPW, PPW, WXW. He is the Bodega Boy, the badass from Puerto Rico. Give it up for Jared Diaz. Yo, I... Oh my God. I've never heard such a thorough and exciting intro intro to a podcast. Not just for me, but in general. So I gotta say props to you. Hats off. I appreciate it. And I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to I'm very happy to be talking to you. So let's chat, man. Let's talk. I'm ready. Dude, so like we have you have had like an interesting journey, like just like reading over your stuff and checking out all the things that you've been you kind of been associated with. You have like this just this plethora of like work and uh, I was looking over it, but I know that our listeners want to know about it. So do first question off the jump is who is Jared Diaz? Oh man. Jared Diaz is just a kid trying to juggle it all. I think that from a young age, I had a lot of different passions and pursuits. Maybe since I was you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, realized that there isn't just this one like, one solo thing that I wanted to do. And I guess I'm, I'm still trying to figure it all out, but I'm very happy and I'm very grateful that I'm able to do a lot of things. Uh, I come from, you know, humble beginnings, low middle class in the Bronx. Parents wanted better for us, moved us, you know, to Westchester, moved us to, to Pennsylvania, moved us back to the Bronx. A lot of different, um, upbringing situations but ultimately just trying to figure it all out like anybody else man that's life in itself bro like i know even for me like i'm an old head like in the retrospect of like the wrestling scene because like i started like i've only been in for like two years but i'm turning 37 this year man so like it's crazy i I wouldn't have said 37 looking at you i would have said like 20 29 <laughs> hey. <laughs> but uh you know it's, it's one of those things that like i have a like a lot of experience so i can definitely relate to you when you talk about moving different areas and living different lifestyles right because you know when i was growing up and this is something i haven't ever shared on the on the show so this would be kind of fun for everybody else uh i went to six different schools in the first six years of my life like but that was my dad was military so yeah. i i knew i knew the moving scene man so being the new kid on the block all the time it was it was just routine. Like it seemed like every year I was making new friends. You learn how so, to, you learn how to make you have you learn how to make friends and you learn how to you know drop whole towns in a heartbeat. I get it. Yep. And so I think it's cool though that you're able to like you you know like you said your family comes from like a humble beginning, man. Or, 
you know, and they keep you grounded. But the cool thing about it too is what you end up learning. And I don't know if a lot of people can relate to, to, to what we're going to talk about, but when you move from place to place to place, you keep yourself grounded because you have to introduce yourself to a new crowd every single time. So when you get into something like this, it's relatively easy to just keep it going because you never want to be, you never want to be the big fish in a small pond. You're always like, whatever, I can just jump to another pond and, you know, fill my gills up there. Then I'll just jump to another pond and just keep learning and keep growing. So I think it's cool that you've had that kind of experience. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, this is sort of diving into the middle of me wrestling, but I got very comfortable being new and I got comfortable effectively being uncomfortable and always having to, you know, not just earn my keep, but earn respect and make sure that I walked in without nobody knowing who I was. But at the end of the day, when I leave this place, I want at least, at least somebody's going to come to me and say, Hey, I'm glad I met you today. Or, Hey, I'm glad that I got a chance to watch you today. Because if I'm a new person, all I need is one new set of eyes. And everywhere I go, if I keep collecting those sets of eyes and keep keep drawing that attention slowly but surely, everybody's going to know who I am. And that's ultimately the goal. Yeah, definitely. And it's cool, too, because, like, as long as one or two people are, like, paying attention or even saying your name, whether they love you or hate you, fun fact, I don't really care either way. Just spread my brand. I really do. I understand it. I understand. Like, just spread my brand. I don't really care whether you love me or hate me. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want to, like, I'm not going to leave, like, I'm not going to leave people with a bad impression of me. But, like, if I'm playing the heel, like, I want people to, like, I want you to hate me, right? And if I'm playing the face, I want people to love me. But at the end of the day, everybody that's going to be leaving is going to understand. They're like, man, like, this guy wants to earn our respect. So he's going to do whatever it has to do to get that. So, it's cool for you too, though, man. Like, I appreciate that. You're like, yo, I just want one new set of eyeballs on me every place I go. <laughs> that's that's the idea. That's the idea. So the question really needs to start, man, because you said we're going to jump right into the middle of your career. But we got to talk about how did you get into the sport? Let's go back. Let's go back. Okay. <laughs> I am just, just the beginning of me figuring out what, what wrestling really even is. I'm 10 years old. I'm sitting in the after-school program. My parents both had multiple jobs. And one of the kids in my after-school program has a PSP, and he's playing SmackDown versus Raw 2007. And all I see is an animation, a gameplay video of Shawn Michaels hitting the super, chin, super kick, super, super kick, sweet chin music. And I'm like, yo, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. There is nothing cooler than just stomping a bunch of times and kicking a dude right in the face. I ask him, what am I looking at right now? I'm, I'm 10 years old. And he says, oh, it's it's uh, WWE. It's it's um, SmackDown vs. Raw. It's a video game. You should watch Raw tonight. It's on at 9 o'clock on, on, on cable, on, on TV. And I go and I watch it. And I'm a little late to turning it on. So I jump in mid-match to Jeff Hardy doing a suicide dive on Umaga. Perfect. Perfect way to start me watching wrestling. <laughs> so I'm hooked right then. Right then and there, I say, all right, this is the thing I watch now every Monday till – you know, until, you know, high school and, and college age where you start watching other stuff, you start introducing yourself to other companies and other styles of wrestling. But from day one, it was like, oh, sweet chin music, dives. And then John Cena, who was a champion at the time, that's 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 my guy. John Cena's <laughs> as, as a 10 year old kid who's cooler than John Cena. <laughs> right. I mean, I think for me, my 10 year old person was Rey Mysterio. So like. Um, I, I, Ray's, yeah. Ray's one of the greatest. Ray's a legend. Of course. Greatest mask of all time. Greatest, greatest luchador of all time. I don't care what anybody got to say. Argue your point about Silver King all you want, but it's <laughs> not going to affect me. My my dad was a big, my dad was a big uh, Mil Mascaras fan. He, he used to talk mm-hmm. him up a lot. And looking back, wonderful. 
But he's not Rey Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> My man could work. Hey, yo, but he could work, and I give it. I give credit where credit is due. But I think he's doing man, it at full speed to this day, like on a full time schedule. He, not and not skipping a beat, not lowering his uh, his work rate or his style. Just doing the things that brought him to the table. Still, exactly. Amazing. And and you know, I remember watching him when he uh, when he debuted against against Dean Malenko, and watching him in Panama City, Florida like on an episode of Monday Nitro. And I was like, dude, I don't know who this is, but that's, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the yep. guy. That's yep. the guy. I remember my first, my first, first, first time I saw Rey Mysterio. So when I first started wrestling, he was injured. And there was also that it was before they brought the rosters back together in like 09 mm-hmm. or 08 or whatever. So he was hurt. So the first pay-per-view that we ever ordered was a SummerSlam of that year. And he was like painted up like the silver surfer, all <laughs> full silver coming out to wrestle. I think it was Booker on that show. It was either Booker or Chavo. I can't remember, but seeing him in the full silver was like super cool. And then doing superhero gear so many times after that. Ray Mysterio is a cool guy. I don't know why we're talking about Ray Mysterio right now, but. Hey man, this is the Ray Mysterio love love section yeah. right now. That's all it yeah, is. It's, you know, it's it's wild too to think about because like that that silver paint, like he got a lot of heat for it because like a lot of people really, were, really, yeah, because oh, it got stuck in the ring and it got along with the people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> people were people were kind of upset. <laughs> I don't care. It was cool. I've heard I've heard a story about someone who said, "Why did you let him go out in that gear?" And uh, yeah, so that you know, it was That's what funny. it was. I know, but uh, yo, so. Like full transparency, man. We gotta, we gotta hop back over. Um, you so you're representing a very proud heritage of people, right? Uh, and I'm talking about in like the Latino, the Latin community. Uh, so what's it like being in, like, being a representative of the Latin Latino community, like wrestling wise? So, so what's really cool that I didn't learn till I was actually wrestling was that. My great grandmother back in Puerto Rico used to watch uh, Carlos's Cologne, Carlos Colon's um, promotion back in the yeah. day on TV, and we just get so we get so invested, uh, you know, booing every 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 hulo and cheering every deck and go like it didn't matter who the character was if you're a good if you're a good guy you're getting cheered if you're a bad guy you're getting booed no matter what she was so invested and I didn't learn that until I got older but then I realized like man wrestling is so huge in Latino culture and Puerto Rican culture. And I got, you know, I, I, again, got a little bit older and I realized that uh, uh, Jack Veneno, who's Dominican, was a, a world champion. And there's so there are so many deep roots that for me, being not only Boricua, but being from New York, which is also a and from the Bronx, a huge Latin, Latin American, Latino community, huge Puerto Rican community. And also, if you add in the you know socioeconomic relationship that. Latinos have to wrestling. It's it's a lot of poor kids like like me and then people that, that I people that I came from, people that we know that like gravitate to this thing for some reason. So when I see people like Santana and Ortiz and I think, you know, of Eddie Kingston, these are the people that like they really represent this. You know, I'm I'm trying to get in and I'm trying to follow in their footsteps and make sure that our culture and our our people are represented to to the best of my ability. But ultimately I can't I can't speak on like being somebody that look, that people look up to because I'm still a person that looks up to them. Right. Um, I will take some pride in the Arizona can that I bring to the ring just over my shoulder or, or the, you know, the Yankee fitted that I, that I wear 
the hip hop music that I walk down to, who is um, that music that is created by Sos V, who's a Puerto Rican and Dominican rapper from here in the Bronx. Like I try to bring my people and I try to bring my culture to my presentation to the best of my ability. And ultimately that's, that's very important to me. Yeah. It's wild for me because like, being in the Latino community as well, right, and being a part of the the, the Latin Latin movement, it's like I like to think about it all the time, right? Is that like in the wrestling aspect, but for Panamanians, the Panameños, the Panameñas, like, hey, there's like not that many of us, <laughs> so like we yeah, have to hold yeah, down, yeah. down heavy. Say again? No, I'm just I I didn't know that. I, I wouldn't yeah. really I wouldn't really guess it. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta hold it down, man, because I think. Uh, even one day I went on Wikipedia just to go see like how many wrestlers are from Panama, right? Pro wrestlers, two, mm. two, two yeah. recognized on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yo, we are not doing well in this department." Oh, you, turn it up. you gotta get some more people. Where's your people at? <laughs> right, that's what I'm wondering the whole time. We, you know what's crazy though is I was on I was on Twitter and I saw like the uh, the uh, what do they call it when they join everybody together? Spaces. So I saw yeah. on Twitter Spaces there was somebody who was hosting. And she was Panamania, and I was like, "Hey, shout out!" It's like, okay, I'm gonna see one day. I'm that's, gonna call that's her. That's like, hey. about Twitter is being able to link up with people, and like, I yeah. I've met so many cool, you know, Puerto Ricans and New Yorkans just through wrestling that I wouldn't have met bef- before. Whether they're whether they're in Florida, whether they're in California, and have relocated, but they're from where I'm from, and other people that not only that I'm trying to be like, but that I'm trying to walk with and, and you know bring my people. Right. No, I 100%, man. I have a tattoo on my arm. So, like, the thing is, is, like, when I come out to the ring and stuff, people see, like, the gear looks like Deadpool. But when they look at the arm, they see that there's something written there. And it's awesome because a lot of people can't read it. And they're like, I don't know what that says. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a manual. And they're like, yeah. what does that mean? I'm like, yo, it's a Panamanian. I'm, yeah. My mom's from Panama, and I'm very proud of it. So I'm very proud to have it tattooed on me. And, she, and everybody's like, oh, oh, that's cool. But you don't sound Spanish. Like, first of all, we, we're not speaking in Spanish, and that'll that right. be a thing. Half you won't understand. But. Not to mention the idea that we all sound the same or that all, you know, Hispanic people sound the same when they're speaking English with an accent, whatever it may be. Something that I do struggle with, though, is that the idea that Hispanic people, especially in wrestling, really minorities in wrestling, can be stereotyped really easily. Like, the last thing I want to do is carry a Puerto Rican flag to the to the ring, not because I'm not proud of my Puerto Rican privilege or my Puerto Rican heritage, but because if I bring this thing to the ring, are people going to have a preconceived notion of who I am or what I'm about? Because other people have been tagged with the same presentation. Yeah, it so seems that's like, I, I keep in mind as well. I was going to say, it seems like whenever you tell people that you're you're Latin or that you're a part of the Latino community, that there's always like the preconceived, like you're either going to be like the thug type character. Or you're a luchador, right? right? Or you're uh, like, you know, you're 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 like very high end. You're like an Andrade or you know uh, Estrada, right? Right. Like you're if one you, of those you, guys. If you identify as a Latino wrestler, that there's potentially this idea that you can only fit into three different types of characters without right. the nuance that I think is hugely important, especially in wrestling when you're trying to present yourself in a certain way. Yeah, and that's why I was like, I think about it to myself. I'm like, yo, I want to present my character first. That now when people will be like, oh, well, he's a good wrestler who is also Latin, not he's a Latin wrestler, right? And I just mm-hmm. like, I want people to see that. Like, I can work and I can work at what I want to work, my work rate. <laughs> so right. I definitely feel like where you're coming from. 
Yeah, uh, I'm, I am not a luchador. I I do I do dives. I have my own certain style. But if you try to if you ask me to have a lucha match, I would certainly be more carried than than the the ring general in that ring. Just because I'm Latino doesn't mean that I have that. Uh, right. Style. Man, I tell people everybody whenever it's like, oh, so can you do flips? I'm like, I can, but I choose not to. I was like, because my style is called Red Dog Foo. Wow. I love it. that way. <laughs> Red Dog Foo. <laughs> so let's uh, let's hop into this, man. I got to know, like, what's the worst bump you've taken? Worst bump I've taken. That's a good question. Um, you know what? I got it. So I have this match. I have this match against a dude named Dick Danger. And Dick Danger is like your evil to evil Knievel type. Um, he has like American flag tights and he wears like a, a motorcycle helmet. He's a stuntman. That's his just thing. And we have this match on a weekly show in ACW down in Florida, which is one of uh, WWN's properties, you know, Evolve, FIP, the whole thing. And I'm on the weekly shows almost every week with them and, and myself and my faction. Shout out to Rapture. Uh, we are a weekly presence on this show. I have a singles match. Make a long story short. Long story short, I'm gonna do a tope con hilo over the top, you know, Finn Balor style flipping uh, dive. The spot was that I'm gonna dive onto Dick Danger, who's being held by my guys. And in the end, Dick Danger runs away, and I take out my guys. Problem with that is, I make eye contact. I turn around. I start heading towards the ropes. I do my dive, and nobody's there to catch me. No, no. <laughs> and I just take the hardest landing on my butt, on my tailbone, that honestly, I should have broken my tailbone. Something worse than a bone bruise should have happened, but luckily enough, all I got was a bone bruise. Uh, but that was, in the moment, probably not not just because it was painful, because it was embarrassing, the worst bump I've ever taken. <laughs> I uh, I know someone else who's attached to this podcast who made eye contact with somebody and dove through the ropes, and that guy was not there to catch him. <laughs> it is. It is uh, it's not ballet, is what I'll say. No. <laughs> but all right, so going over from like a worst bump, man, let's talk about like what's like one of our hardest hits like you have taken. There's a guy who he's not as active as he used to be. I, I'm not sure if he's wrestling right now, but before the pandemic, maybe November of 2020 or uh, October of 2020, or sorry, of, of 19. So before the pandemic, uh, this dude named Zach Cooper. If you want to imagine what he looks like, picture Walter minus about two inches and 20 pounds, but that very same body type and that very same style. And the finish of this match, after ducking it throughout, right, that we built the story around him trying to chop me and me ducking it, avoiding it, sliding it, whatever it may be. And he plants this 10 and a half, 11 across inch hand right across my chest. And it was like my soul escaped my body. And I don't bump. I just collapse. And, and, and there are tiny little scars on my chest to this day because of it that if you look from from afar or from a few feet away you can't see it but i know they're there <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i could imagine that you know 
especially if someone's known just for chopping. Yeah, getting chopped. I've, probably I've never been. Like, I've never been a fan of the chops. I don't mind watching other people get chopped. Uh, I don't personally chop because if I give it out, I'm gonna get it back. And if I can avoid that, I'm gonna avoid it. That's, that's yeah. The truth. <laughs> it is. It is something to be said because, like, I think about that too. Because, like, I'm not one to chop. Like, I know a lot of other people who will, but I'm not one of them. It's and, not for uh, anybody. No, but if you fuck up, I may have to, and then everybody knows that you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. If you got if you got to take control or slow something down, it belongs. I agree. Yeah, full transparency when I say this. Like I was working a, a practice match with you know one of the students, and I shouldn't even say it like that. He was a he was a you know one of the others. I was a student as well, so we were working this this match, and we were talking about a three sixty spot, and we went over it over and over and over again. And he knew what we were doing, right? So we get in, we hit the first first buckle, and he was just like, "All right." So I'll do like a choke, right? Ah, right. Mm-hmm. Take him off. Move next spot. Do another kind of move, right? We get all the way, and by ter- by the third post, he goes, "Is this the part where I hit you with a rana?" And I was like, oh, "No." Throw me into the last post and just good brother, him. Oh, you came down with the. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that's, and I was like, "That's violent." I leaned in, I leaned in, and I go, "Don't call your own spots after we've called the match." And he just took him to the next buckle because I was like, that's "And brutal. everybody knew because like the fact that I threw it, like I don't throw it." So the fact that I did, they're like, mm, "Yeah, right." People, happen. people, people knew is because they knew you. They knew. They knew my trainer was, was up like, there. "My mm-hmm. trainer to lean back." He goes, "Yep." <laughs> That was a fuck up. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell yeah. when you got to do something like that. When you got to slow everything down and just double chop somebody. That's rough. I have a, I have a tendency to talk a lot. So in that situation, I probably would have said the same thing if I were you. Because I try to – I think I try to talk for both of us if I can't tell that's – if I can tell that somebody else isn't talking. Right. Um, often because I've, I've just dealt with a lot of people forgetting spots. And also when I was green, I remember forgetting a lot of spots. So it's, you know, if I can just cover cover both of our asses by calling these spots, I'm going to do it. And if I don't have to get chopped and you don't have to get chopped and neither of us get hurt because I talked, then I did my job. <laughs> it was funny, though, because, like, I remember, like, he was, like, because he would say exactly what was going to happen. Because I told him, I was, like, hey, man, like, choke, there's going to be a hit here, there's going to be a hit mm-hmm. here. No, you were talking him through. Yeah, 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 and I was carrying, and then just like he was just throwing it out there. Yo, this is about, I'm gonna do, do I'm gonna do a Rana. Yeah, no, that's that ain't no. it. <laughs> We're not in. <laughs> but man, so curious though, because I love asking this question to everybody who comes on this show. Uh, so whether it's a pre-ritual or not, or even after a match or after a show, like, what's your post-match meal? Post-match meal, you know what? And you can probably get this too. What's open after a show? How many places are open after a show? The IHOPs or Denny's, if you get out kind of early, or the Applebee's or whatever, those places. Wawa is usually open. Um, if I luck out, if I luck out um, and some and a lot of things are open, what, by the time I get out, I'll try to get sat down somewhere and eat a chicken parm. Some chicken parm with some pasta. That's that's going to hook me up. But if I'm leaving my show and it's midnight and I'm somewhere in the south of the mid-Atlantic, 
I'm going shake. I'm uh, steak and shake. I'm going steak and shake for for a double garlic burger with some Parmesan fries. And you know, I don't know if you've I don't know if you've uh, eaten dirty like that, but I do it far too frequently. And and I really should start cleaning it up because I'm 25. I look good, but that's not gonna last forever. But for now, that's I, I that's that's my go to. Something dirty, something greasy. <laughs> Yo, I, I feel you 100%, man, because, like, when I leave out of a show, like, it's usually, like, a Sheets or, like, a Wawa's. Mm-hmm. I stop in, and I'm like, yo, just give me that give me that chicken sandwich right there. Yeah, That's a little Wawa sandwich or some, you know, some grilled chicken or some sauce or whatever, like, that quick that gets you back on the road. Because that's another thing. When you get out late, you don't want to no sit and eat and chill and talk as much as you want to get back home or get to whatever next town you're going to because it's a grind. The travel is a grind, too. I, I think – I always say to people when I get paid and when we talk about the pay, when it comes to wrestling, it's like, you don't get paid to wrestle. Wrestling is the fun part. You get paid to travel you get paid to go and travel or train. That's the hard part. That's the work of it. Yep. I, you know, it's funny though, because like I, I, I knew like, I just, just uh, recently uh, I was getting home like this last weekend and I want, I'm not going to tell you what guys, what week that we're recording this on. Just know that, you know, this last weekend, uh, I had gotten home at three o'clock in the morning, back to back nights. And yep. one drive was, it was, uh, I don't know, it was like an hour and a half, but I had to help tear down the ring and then go mm-hmm. put it away mm-hmm. and then set it up back at, back in the studio. Right. Mm-hmm. So drive. And then the next day it was, Hey, we're going to go North of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that's a three and a half hour drive there. Yeah, and I do all the driving. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right, well, let's go. So we drive all the way up there. We drive all the way back. And, you know, and, and a lot of people don't understand, like, man, when you hit those travels, like you do, like you stop at a sheets or like Wawa's or Cumbies for those of you in Massachusetts, because I know I love that spot. I have too. no idea what a Cumbie is. What is a Cumbie? Yo, what? Yo, when, I don't know how you wrestle Cumbie? in Worcester, Massachusetts and because, never check out. You know, to be Cumbies. fair, I've only been I've only been wrestling in, in Worcester for a little while after spending <laughs> Two years or so wrestling in Florida. I'm back up in the Northeast where I'm from and where I'm trying to get my footing in Massachusetts and Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, all that. So at some point I'll hit a Cumbies, but first you got to tell me what the hell it is. Yeah, man. So like they have like the best bomb ass coffee. So if you're trying to get like a quick like iced coffee, like everybody will tell you, you know, Duncan's is, is that spot, right? Or they might even, you know, if the rare occasion that you're in Massachusetts, someone might tell you that, hey, yo, go hit up, uh, go hit Starbucks. No, no, no. Cumberland's is always the spot, man. Yeah, so Cumbies is that spot. Like we, (laughs) I now I know. So when I'm in Worcester next week, as of recording next a week from today, I will I will definitely look it up. Yep, and then you got to tell like you know we'll talk we'll chop it up more afterwards, and I'll tell you tell this person to take you to that spot. (laughs) I will. I will. Let me know. But yeah, man. uh, So going off from like post match snack, post match meals, man. I'm just very curious, man. What's one of the hardest one of the hardest lessons you've had to learn? Oof, that's a tough question. One of the hardest things I've ever had to learn, or one of the hardest things I've learned in wrestling, I think it's the mental toughness that what this takes. So I'm an athlete. I've always been an athlete. I, I played football through high school and in college and training and exercising is the easier part in comparison and learning wrestling albeit hard it's not an easy thing to do an easy thing to get good at 
it pales in comparison to the, in my opinion, at least, uh, reaching out to bookers, spending four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve hours driving to a show to wrestle for five minutes to do that same thing to get back home. Uh, the negotiating with promoters, the trying to get yourself over and jogging your head for stories and creative, uh, making, maintaining friends, trying not to make enemies, learning from veterans uh, while not looking like a rookie. All of those things are the mental game. To me, that's the hardest part of this. And I, I was told no plenty of times coming out of high school and trying to get to college and looking for a place to play quarterback at. And I got one place to offer me a scholarship and all of those no's and one yes taught me the lesson too, is that you're going to hear no a million times, but eventually those yeses will come. And when you get those yeses, you have to make the best of those opportunities. You have to take those opportunities and run with them because if you don't, a lot of no's are going to follow that too before your next yes. So I think that's the the hardest lesson. The hardest lesson that I continue to learn in wrestling. Oh, I like that too, though. And it, it you, it's not a lesson that you you learn at once. Like you learn it over and over and over again. But every time that you do learn that lesson again, it gets kind of easier because then you kind of see like the mental the mental hurdles that's going to take to get to that next spot. But then. What's really cool is like once you get to like a certain age, you can look back and tell somebody else like, hey, man, this is what's going to happen. Here's some of the stops that you could hit. And these were things that helped me kind of work my way around to get to where I'm at. So mm-hmm. that's cool that you're able to to figure that out early because like I wasn't so lucky. <laughs> like, I was good yeah, to be it's it's, it's different. I'm not going to lie. Like it's difficult to take to not take no personally. Um, but what you have to remember in that what I'm. You know, dealing with as a as a wrestler who is on the way up but still on the grind is that a lot of times it's just out of your hands. Maybe the promoter isn't looking for what you're offering or maybe the promoter uh, doesn't want to travel you because you may be too far or not a big enough name to travel or whatever it may be. You might It might have nothing to do with your talent or your abilities. It might have everything to do with what they are looking for. And if those things are out of your hands, then those are the things that you, that you can't harp on too much that you can't take personally because you can only control what you can control you can control how good you are you can control how you present yourself but if they're not looking for those things specifically that that you that you tend to put forward that's not your fault yeah and you got to make sure like you you got and you you hit it right on the head right but you also got to make sure that like uh you got to understand that they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the idea that you're throwing out there. So keep plugging away and keep yep. keep pushing for it. I love it. I love it, man. So let's talk about it. So if uh, if upcoming wrestler is coming up to you and asking for your advice, man, like what kind of advice are you giving that person? Oh, uh, first of all, find a good school. I think that I've been able to train a lot of different at a lot of different places. But where I started was at Create a Pro with Kurt Hawkins and Pat Buck, Brian Myers. Myers and Pat Buck in Long Island. And although I didn't stay there for the duration of my wrestling training, it laid the groundwork on what good training looks like and what feels like and how to learn at the right pace. Um, so do your research before just going to a spot and pick a good one. Uh, secondly is you are the company you keep. My dad taught me this when I was a kid. 
uh, in the Bronx. And, and even when we moved around to different places too, it's like, you want to stay out of trouble? Don't hang out with people who are trouble. And as I got older, it was, you want to be a starter on this team? You want to be a, a valuable player on this football team? Don't hang out with the kids who don't work hard or don't, who don't take it seriously. When you get into wrestling, if you get with other people that push you and that push themselves, you have no choice but to get better or disappear. And, and that's what I'm so, so thankful for in finding the guys in the rapture. Um, Jay Sky, Richard King, these are two of my best friends in the world. Not just because we get along so well and care so much about each other, but because these are two guys who push me and push each other. And that I'm able to push as well that when we first started as the three of us, uh, well, there were four four people in the in the faction at the time, but the three of us were getting on the road together more than you know anybody else. And right off the bat, it's all right, these people have have their head right. These people have ambitions, have goals, uh, and have strategies and and ways of getting to those places and attaining those goals. These are guys that just did uh, AW Dark and wrestled against the Dark Order a few weeks ago. Um, and in July, the three of us, this past July, with the three of us, were able to go to AW to Dark together for the first time and pursue these things that from day one we knew we f- would figure out how to do. So, to wrap that up, you are the company you keep. Make sure that you are with people that want what you want and then find a good school that's going to help you find those good people. Love it, man. I love it. So you traveled around, you've been to a lot of different locker rooms. You've been to a lot of different places, man. So I need to really know any one do and one don't of the locker room. Locker room do's and don'ts. Locker room do's and don'ts. Uh, locker room do. Introduce yourself to everybody. Learn everybody's name. Something that I do specifically is that when I learn somebody's name, I'll say it back to them maybe two, three times, just to make sure I got it. Because when you speak to somebody with their name, they learn yours. That's, I don't know if it's human psychology or just common courtesy or whatever it may be, but something that I learned was if you're going to make an impression on people, you got to let them know that you care about them too. So that's a locker room do. That's a huge do for me. Meet people and remember who they are. Uh, A locker room don't. Don't be messy. That's a real easy one. Keep your stuff all in one place and don't get in other people's way. Um, don't, uh, you know, when you change clothes, don't just throw stuff about. You know, keep, maintain a, a decent little space for yourself, especially in wrestling locker rooms that are small. Everybody is already on top of each other. You want to make it worse? No, then you're a jerk. You're just a jerk. So maintain your little area and... Be good to people in the locker room when you meet them and when they meet you. Use and don'ts. I love it. So it's funny because like I try to remember everybody's names, but usually I'll end up like messing stuff up. But it's tough. You make mistakes. You get names yeah. wrong, but the attempt, the the effort, gotta be there. Yeah, but in the other part too, like if you can't remember that person's name, and this will be just me kind of putting it out there. If you can't remember that person's name, at least remember one thing about them because that's the other part. Because then you can be mm-hmm. when you come back, you're like, oh hey, you know, and you can apologize. Totally forgot your name, but I remember we talked about blah, 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 right? So, yeah. 100%. Uh, here's a little tip, a trick. If you do forget somebody's name, but you know you've met them before, have someone else near you talk to them. 
and they'll tell you their name. And maybe you don't come off rude and it does show that you want to know their name. Or like you said, just apologize for forgetting their name and relearn it and try harder. But as long as you make the effort, that's that's the important part, I think. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. But those are all like my heavy hitting questions. So we got to talk about the second best segment on this podcast. And you're probably wondering what's the first. Uh, it's the Red Dogs Power Rankings that you can find every Sunday on our debate show. But this is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. Mr. Diaz, this is how it works. I'm going to fire cool. off 10 questions at you rapid fast. And uh, whatever's your answer, that's your answer. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's go fast. Bet. So I'm going to put on the imaginary timer for ad pressure. Bing. And here <laughs> we go. Smackdown or Raw? Smackdown. Favorite movie? The Departed. Yes. Good good yes. choice. Great PlayStation? Scorsese is my guy. A PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Favorite color? Orange. Mario or Sonic? Sonic. Favorite submission? You know what? I do a thing. I stole it from TJP. It's a it's a sharpshooter, but you trap the hands also. <laughs> and I just think it's the you, you do a little chop, you grab their hands, then you tie this the the the, the, the oh my god. The sharpshooter, then you turn them over, you got all limbs, they can't tap, they gotta just quit. And it's great. Yep. I, I've seen that. I've seen that and I've actually been practice on that as well i think that's really cool yeah, i, I want a match like that one time and i said all right i did it never i don't need to do it ever again i don't need to win like that ever again i won <laughs> all right so bomba or reggaeton reggaeton a favorite podcast favorite podcast uh i listened to a podcast called the weekly planet podcast i was listening to it right before this which is two australian dudes talking pop culture movies comic books tv shows video games all that stuff uh they're very funny so i'm gonna have to check that out yeah, it's good stuff. uh nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast can i nominate two people can i nominate jay sky and richard king together they can do interviews together they can do them separately um they are two best friends within our three best friends so i want to talk to them and i want to watch them talk to you I bet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on the show, favorite curse word. Fuck. <laughs> it's, a regular, it's a regular. In my, it's a regular in my verbiage. I try to let it not be in scenarios like this, but it, you asked for it. Yeah, no doubt. No, 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 no. Fully transparent. The F word is like the greatest word it's of like all time. I don't care about it. Because it fits in so many different places. Do I tell everybody, and I keep trying to get this this video re-viral, right? I don't know if that's a word. But try and bring it back. If you get a chance, go check out the history of the F word. It's on YouTube. All right? It's the best two minutes and 39 seconds that you'll ever experience. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like I've seen it. Is it uh, <laughs> does it have to do with, with German vernacular and, like, class, the caste system? Yeah, I've seen that. I watch a lot it of video essays and, like, random historical things. Uh, but it, it starts off with, like, the old English music. Bet. Well, those are all the questions I have. So the last thing I just got to ask, man, is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. You can find Jared Diaz on Instagram at the Jared Diaz show on Twitter at the Jared Diaz. You can see me. I don't know when this is coming up. I don't know when this is going to be airing, but 
February 11th, which is tomorrow as of recording at Blood, Sweat, and Tears in Bridgeport, Connecticut. You can find me uh, on Wrestling Open next week on IWTV and live in Worcester at the White Eagle. Uh, on February 26th, I will be on Pro Wrestling Magic in New Jersey. I don't remember the city, but that's okay. It's also on IWTV. And on March 12th, this is a big one. That's my birthday in Queens, New York uh, at the Great Elks Lodge in Flushing. That's on March 12th. That's some of the stuff I have coming up in the, the near future. And look me up on YouTube if you want to watch my watch my stuff. And if you hate my face, don't look me up. I don't care. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ben, he's gave you his handles. He told you where you can find him on YouTube. So you know what to do. Go look it up. And like what we always do, you know, when you get to the end of a match, you take it home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering the Ring. And I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, that man that leads you up the mountain called wrestling. You should call me Sherpa. And by the end of this, you better be called me Sherpa. Anyway, it's not about me. It's about who's entered the ring because, you know, every good Sherpa has got to have a Sherpa who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficient than I can. And so that's why we brought in Jared Diaz. He is here, here in the ring with us. And you guys know what to do. Tune in to the next episode and be there. Or you just wait for this episode to end. You wait for that outro. And then you choose another episode to listen to. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys. And we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. Oh, at pro wrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show some support, please.